Today, modern marketing must harness the full capabilities of the business to provide the best customer experience. Delivering on this promise requires a whole new way of operating. Marketing departments need to be rewired for speed, collaboration, and customer focus. It's less about changing what marketing does and more about transforming how the work is done. Hi, I'm Wilson Raj, and welcome to this episode of Reimagine Marketing Podcast. Match MarTech with customer experience goals. I'm joined by my guest, Scott Brinker, who is the editor of the renowned marketing technology blog called Chief Marketing Technologist, and he's also the VP of Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot. Welcome, Scott. Hey, it's great to be back here with you, Wilson. Absolutely. I, you know, I have to say, you know, the conversation that we had, and again, for the audience, if you're tuning in, you can certainly check out uh, a previous conversation that Scott and I have had around MarTech the perils and promises of MarTech. So check that out. Again, I, I think there's so much there that uh, I think we just wanted to unpack a couple more questions around uh, some of the topics we were discussing. So are we ready to roll? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> MarTech awaits. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll dive in. And, you know, most of the, the audience would know about the marketing landscape. Of last count, we have in excess of 8,000 marketing solutions or applications our apps, right? It's just mind-blowing. You're absolutely right. You once said, homegrown MarTech is like homemade pizza. I love that. So given what you have seen in the last five, six years with your landscape evolving and then exploding, what do you make of that statement? Does that still hold true for you in, in current bill versus buy conversations? Yeah, the whole build versus buy debate, um, you know, it certainly isn't limited to um, marketing or MarTech. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting because, you know, 10 years ago, for those companies who were really pioneering digital marketing, uh, the truth was there wasn't a lot of commercial technology available for this. And, and even the technology solutions that were there, you know, I mean, the, 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 they, they were limited in, you know, the boundaries, uh, you know, of what they delivered. And so a lot of, you know, the pioneers, particularly for larger companies, simply invested in saying, well, let's build out, uh, you know, our own technology to do this. Right. Now, over the past 10 years, as your reference to the MarTech landscape, uh, you know, exhibit A, we have a uh, plethora of off-the-shelf commercial MarTech solutions to uh, draw from. And so that was where I kind of made the remark, you know, a few years ago of like, okay, well, making your own MarTech at this point, it's like making your own pizza. I mean, mm. yeah, you could, but <laughs> but why? I mean, you pick up the phone, it's the hot, delicious pizza there on you your uh, you know doorstep in 30 minutes. And you minutes. can add pineapples on top of it, right? So You, you could if you were, you know, <laughs> wanting to, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to attack pineapple yeah, choices on pizza. On <laughs> Teach their own, live and let live. Um, but the reason I like actually raised this up in a recent post on my blog is because it's not that simple anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason it's not that simple is because there's still truth to the fact that you probably do not want to be reinventing the wheel. You don't want to be yeah. building things that from a comparative advantage perspective, it's just much easier for you to buy, you know, off the shelf. 
But the difference is we are now truly going through digital transformation where companies, you know, are not just having pieces of their organization, you know, being powered by digital technologies. The whole organization is becoming digital and the way in which we engage with our customers, you know, our products and our services either are entirely digital or even if they have real world elements, you know, they're now serviced by a layer of digital technologies uh, to support that. And the truth is, at some level, you get to a place where the customer experiences you're building, the digital products you're building, the behind-the-scenes workflows that you create to you know, deliver those products and services, they become unique to your business. You can't mm. just buy it off the shelf, plug it in, and you know, it just automatically, automatically starts you know, generating profits for you. It'd be nice if we could do that, um, yeah. you know. And so increasingly, like we're having to find this balance of saying, well, let's let's buy as many of the things as we can as foundational systems. Like, let's not waste time uh, and energy where we don't have to. But we want to get more and more savvy now about being able to add a layer on top of that that really is the unique secret sauce for our own, you know, digital business. Uh, and so I think. Yeah, uh, maybe you don't want to be having your homemade pizza now, but you're going to have your own candles. You're going to bring your own bottle of wine. You want to put it on your own plate. Uh, you, you, know. you know, I think that's that's a huge point in terms of that, of that bill versus buy debate, right? We just, just I think will still be ongoing is, is this notion of you know, from a customer perspective, right? We have a new tech infused buyer uh, where digital is pretty much serving up that rich, deeper, more immersive user experience. In fact, we did a survey on the future of CX called Experience 2030. And one of the things we found uh, was that the consumer, about 70% of them plan to use some kind of smart AI agent to control their immediate environment, their home, even the garage, the lawn. About 60% expect drone or some kind of autonomous vehicle to then deliver their purchases. So when you look at these additional interfaces that are going to be coming in and they're coming in at a, at a fast clip, the marketing that needs to happen, you know, to keep pace with that, uh, yeah, you can't be just building it, right? Or even buying it at the same rate. It has to be sort of an an, an proposition. Your thoughts yeah, on that? I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, this, uh, you know, it's not build or buy, it's build and buy. Um, you know, in fact, this is one of the themes I feel like, you know, from the past 10 years to this next decade, it's like these things that we used to think of as dichotomies, you know, build versus mm -hmm. buy or products versus services or in, you know, the marketing world, it was sweet or best of breed. Yeah. You know, this, this new decade we're in, it's basically none of those are these exclusionary dichotomies. And it's like, oh, well, it's actually build and buy. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, not products or services. It's very often like services supporting products and products mm. supporting services. Uh, and even in the, you know, MarTech land, it's not sweet versus best of breed. It's basically platform ecosystems. You know, mm -hmm. people have tentpole systems and then they right. attach and integrate all sorts of specialized apps around that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's exciting to uh, be in a world where we're looking at it from a more, um, you know, coherent and uh, harmonious. Uh, yeah, view. I like that <laughs> balance, coherent, you know, harmonious. And we're going to come to those dichotomies, especially, you know, the, you know, you know 
we, we'll deal with this one, but I, I got lots of questions on the the other one, right? Best of breed and and and, and sweets. But then, you know, in terms of uh, build versus buy, do you think, Scott, are there some scenarios or settings where maybe one is better than the other, right? Uh, uh, understanding that it's, you know, it, it, it's very nuanced, but are there from a marketing ops perspective or marketing content or uh, planning, are there scenarios where maybe one might be slightly better to at least to start with? You know, if we look at the, the mid-sized businesses, for example, right? They're constrained by resources. Can you, uh, you know, shed some light there and just, you know, interested on in your thoughts if, if there are scenarios? Oh, absolutely. And I okay, think, cool. again, it's really a question of layers. So mm-hmm. l- l- let's pick a really clear example, uh, which is your website. As a marketer, right, your actual website content, your information architecture, if you've got some sort of app-based logic on how people sign up for something or engage with it, you're building that. You have to build it. You, you just can't like, you know, snap your fingers and open a box and magically the whole website is there. Um, so that is the sort of stuff we have to build. But then you go to the layer below that and you're like, okay, well, the actual, you know, digital experience platform on which that is built, the, you know, digital asset management system mm. that might be feeding, you know, content into it, the the underlying like web server technology that's managing, you know, HTTPS connections, you would have to be out of your friggin' mind to be like building that stuff, you know, <laughs> right. at this point, right? I mean, this is all commercial commoditized solutions. Leverage the heck out of that and then put your energy on building the things that you can't get off the commercial market because, again, they're just entwined with what makes your business your business and different mm. from everyone else, you know? And so I think if you think of that as one clear example, right? we're seeing that same sort of pattern now elsewhere you know um i do not want to build my own crm i don't want mm-hmm. to build my mo- own marketing automation platform but i might want to create a little bit of custom logic around like okay we get certain feeds of data you know from some of our digital touch points and we have our own you know machine learning algorithm that we think is best to interpret that data to uh-huh. match people to segments I might actually want to build that little piece because it's just so unique to my particular business. But then I'm plugging that piece into this, you know, infrastructure that is largely commercially available software that I got off the shelf. Got it. You know, for for the audience, this is that huge, I think it's not so much where we use build, where we use buy. I think that principle around differentiation, at least the way I hear it from you, Scott, is really important. So anything that gives the brand differentiation, the customer experience edge as it relates to that particular organization in that particular vertical for that particular customer segment, it's a build, right? Because that's where the your your brand DNA probably is, is expressed. Uh, the other stuff can be operationalized through standard systems, but then the magic is in that integrating those two. So I, I think that's a great way to think about it and, and to clarify, right? Because there is no like right or wrong answer. It's sort of what's the principle here in terms of using bill versus buy. Exactly. Just getting really smart about leveraging what we can from the market, but also getting very strategic about, yeah, what is a unique advantage for our particular company? Cool. Now I'm going to add another thread to this principle that you just really nicely just elucidated. Uh, and it's one of your favorite topics around low code, no code, right? So 
where would that necessarily fit into the smart tech? Obviously, it's a build, but then are there also off-the-shelf kinds of stuff that you could do? Where would that come in or fall on the range? Or is it the same principle applies? You know, how, how do you yeah. look at no, it? No, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think uh, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, so the, there's these layer of things we buy that just come for us, like pretty much mm. out of the box or ready to go. But then, yeah, you start to add this layer of build on top well, how do you build? Well, in some cases, it's things that really do require an expert software engineer to like, you know, build a, you know, particular microservice or, you know, some custom logic in JavaScript that you can plug in. But increasingly, for vast number of these things that we need to quote unquote build, we're actually using no code, low code tools very often in the commercial platforms that, you know, we purchase to configure and design and create, you know, these components not necessarily with, you know, JavaScript, but yeah. like if I'm sitting at a, you know, like workflow editor and I'm like designing like, okay, this trigger here, you know, I want this action to happen here. And then based on this decision here, I want these two other things to happen. You know, you now have all these workflow tools where people are not software developers. They're, you know, marketers, they're, you know, general business users, but they're able to pull these things together and implement them and launch them. But still, that's that's building, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. uh, we're realizing actually there's a much wider spectrum, you know, of things we can build and a much wider universe of people who can do some of that building. All right, Scott, that, you know, I now want to kind of add maybe just another thread to this build and buy principle. You know, many analyst firms, they have a taxonomy to describe uh, MarTech stacks, right? It's very simplified. You have the system of data or system of record. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, system of insight. Uh, and then above that, some kind of system of engagement, right? Or delivery. You know, again, very simplified. And I think your 8,000 <laughs> MarTech you know, apps would you know, certainly range all through that stuff, right? And, and then some. So the question becomes, you know, when we think about that build or you know, low code, no code, is it you know, safe to say maybe for that brand differentiation to occur, you know, more of the bill would take place in that system of insight because it's so specific to that brand? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I actually think traditionally uh, the biggest area of differentiation is actually the engagement, uh, ah, you know, mm -hmm. because the experiences become, you know, increasingly unique to the particular right. business. But I think you've got a really good point because as those experiences become richer, and the data, you know, that we're feeding in from these, we have the opportunity to create models at the insight level that, yeah, just become very specific, you know, to our mm. business. Uh, and again, this might not be something that people are having to like, you know, code up in Java or JavaScript, you know, yeah. but even having, you know, like a business user or an analyst or, a, you know, data analyst person being able to like model say, okay, here's yeah. a way I want to organize the inputs from different customer touch points into a, you know, propensity model for, you know, what we want to do with them next. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I and that's where right. I think like visualization would come in, right? Not visualization in terms of reporting, but, you know, how do you do it in visual analytics, right? You know, visually analyzing so that a business user who may not have to you know all those algorithms can do something, get some business value out of that. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I know like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I mean, you guys are sass, uh, but right. I mean, there's, there's such an art, you know, that people can do uh, with data and the people who now have this combination of the incredible tool sets for this. And then they've sort of conceptually, you know, got mm. the ideas of how to orchestrate them together. And then we're giving them this, you know, a wonderful like toy store of all these new data sources, you know, <laughs> that are coming in. It's uh yeah, I, I, I know a fair number of people who are in the, you know, like data analyst and data science world. And it's these are happy people. There's a yeah. lot of fun stuff going on right now. Yep. There's a lot of data to, to be had there as well. So, you no, know, we've talked about the, that that debate, right, between sort of build and buy. There's another big debate. And actually, you talked about it in terms of best of breed versus uh, integrated stack. So, again, there's um, some data, again, that I think that was featured on, on, on one of your blog posts uh, is a report that came out of the, the UK, so, you know, around data platforms where they talked about what are the types of software or data platforms uh, that the business was using. And I'll just read out the stat here. From a best of breed perspective, it was about 32.5%, right? Best of breed. Integrated marketing suite, that's about 10.5%. And then a majority, 38%, was some kind of in-house, custom-built, uh, developed, and vendor solution, right? And then you have you know, a smaller number of purely in-house, you know, around 15 16%. And so just as that, that debate around build or buy, integrated or not integrated, are there also same principles or different principles that you can apply to this argument to say, hey, you know, it's not just all here and all there? But what are your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, it's uh, this is such a fun topic. I, I really do think today in the world we are living in that the sweet versus best of breed debate is it's it's really irrelevant because mm. I don't know of any suite at this point in time, yeah, that doesn't have basically open APIs and ecosystems of yeah. people integrating to them. And when people talk about best of breed solutions, there are very few marketing stacks out there now where just everything lives in its completely own isolated silo. These things are often purchased now based on the integration capabilities that they offer out of the box. Um, so I kind of think this debate is yeah, last it's kind of decade. Mood. Yeah, yeah the new decade. It's just it's software. It's APIs. It all works in the cloud. But I found the stat about the hybrid model, this thing of folks saying, okay, well, almost independent of sweet versus best of breed, what we're doing is a stack that has some combination of stuff we buy off the shelf commercially. Right. And then some combination of, you know, pieces that we build that are unique to our business. And what I thought was fascinating is, to be honest, for all the years that people have been asking this question about sweet versus best of breed, I hadn't actually seen a survey where someone asked the question even of like, oh, where you're also intermingling some of your own stuff in there too, mm. which is kind of crazy because actually it makes a ton of sense that people are doing this and to now finally have at least, you know, I mean, this is just one survey, take it for a grain of salt, but to have at least one data point that's like, yeah, actually a lot of people, a lot of companies, you know, mm. are blending these two things. Uh, to, to be honest, I actually think this is some of the best evidence that digital transformation really is happening. I mean, People have been talking about it for years. It's become almost this hackneyed phrase. But the reality is, you know, hackneyed phrase aside, 
businesses are becoming more and more digitally driven. The way in which right. they operate internally is digital. The way in which they engage with their customers and their audience and their partners is through digital. And as part of that, they end up creating pieces of software and they end up using a whole bunch of other software. And we've now got data that, yeah, this is Quite a few companies are now at that state. It's great. I love it. it. It's really positive. You're right, because this is actually, you know, real proof, right, around it, it, it's, it's concrete. You can see this in terms of it's not just a, an airy concept around digital transformation, right? There is hybrid, right? We are they're actually coding. They're also using best of breed and in scenarios that would then help them differentiate, but also reduce costs. Right, as they get, you know, maybe more uh, integrated suites right, to, for that efficiency. So it's fantastic. Now, you did something also. You went beyond this, right? Beyond just best of breed and integrated. Well, you made some connection to um, as an analyst, uh, Ben Thompson. He has a website called Strategy, where he had very interesting thoughts around aggregation theory. Which uh, you know, there's a lot to it, but sum it all up is just completely innovative way of thinking rather than sort of stacks or, or vertically integrations. It's sort of solving customer problems in, in a very you know, unique way. So can you speak to that and, and how that applies to integrated and best of breed? Sure. Yeah. This is an, an observation that I've been sort of slowly becoming aware of over the past year, which is you know, for these MarTech stacks, in fact, not just for MarTech, but again, let's think more broadly for the entire business stack. There are increasingly these products that were designed to thrive with a heterogeneous stack, right? Mm. I mean, like for years, like we had this thing of like, oh, well, the way you solve the challenge of all these different software apps is you try and like consolidate them all into either one suite, or if not that, you try and get one product that, you know, acts as the absolute center of gravity for everything else. And as much as that vision is wonderful and it works in certain contexts, for the overall business, there's just too many things happening. It's just there's too much innovation and too many products. You know, what we're finding now is there's a set of these technologies that are saying, okay, what if you were going to have a heterogeneous stack as the new reality, that this was just the world we were going to live in? There are challenges to that, right? There's challenges of how do we make sure we're getting the data, you know, to some sort of like unified core. There's challenges of how do we manage workflow across these uh, apps that are created by different mm -hmm. developers. There's challenges from like, you know, identity access management and control perspective. There's challenges from a data governance and privacy aspect. Those are real challenges you have when you have a heterogeneous stack, but what if we started to build products that that was their mission in life right. was to be able to say, oh, I mean, like, well, let's pick something like data governance and um, privacy compliance. Sure. There were now these tools out there. I mean, there's actually a whole little category of them, you know, companies like OneTrust and DataGrail and, you know, all these folks that basically their mission is say, like, whatever different apps you have, we will connect to your different apps, to your different databases, and we will provide a layer on top of that of, you know, the auditing capabilities, the uh, monitoring and visibility capabilities, that you can actually enforce good privacy compliance without having everything, like, unified on just one single right. app. Um, and there's a ton of these. And so I, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, this is where that connects to Ben Thompson's, uh, you know, aggregation theory. 
is he's looked at a number of these models out in the market with things like the dynamics of Facebook and, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, the iPhone Google, and stuff like this. Uber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of like how you have this, you know, sort of aggregator that serves as a way of matching supply and demand where the supply and demand might be very heterogeneous on either side. And sort of the value of that aggregator is to like match the two together to help, uh, you know, them unlock value from each other. And then in a really weird way, and I know this is a, I'm getting super nerdy with this stuff. This was one of my more nerdy posts. So thank you for (laughs) calling me out on it. But, you know, that in many ways, these products that are working across the MarTech stack or across the broader business tech stack, they're kind of almost serving as aggregators uh, within the systems and data, you know, of our own businesses. So Hmm. kind of the dynamics of, yeah, software are continuing to evolve in front of our eyes. Right. You know, it's so awesome to geek out because I, I, I do encourage the audience, you know, especially, you know, just marketers to actually take a look at this post. We'll definitely add that to our show notes because there's, it's a philosophical approach, right, to how we look at integration is aggregation and then and solving a, a really key customer issue, right, whether it's privacy or, or personalization or loyalty. But I think it's, it's, it's worth a dive there. You know, I want to shift gears to something else, you know. We talk about MarTech, right, and marketing ops. And that's certainly a key driver of of today's modern marketing organization. And this layer of function typically sits between, on the top, we have the marketing vision and strategy. And on the bottom, you have the sort of on-the-ground marketing and CX delivery, right? So how do you rationalize this? And you have your new rules, how how, uh, marketing of five rules, again, the number five, can you walk through those five rules of how the marketing tech uh, and operations connects with strategy and with execution in that framework there? Yeah. Wow. Well, this number five. We were talking about this in our previous episode. Yeah, it, it know, keeps like, popping up everywhere. Five trends, my five <laughs> trends, you know, here's back again. I, this vaguely reminds <laughs> me of some like Monty Python, Holy Grail uh, skit around. You know, there you go. Five, but. We'll bring out the coconuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So what is my favorite color in MarTech? So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I mean, part of what I realized is in this whole new rules of marketing technology and operations is that a lot of marketing operations leaders were really being put in a position where they had to balance these things that seemed, I mean, just opposing, you know, by their very definitions, you know, and the two examples I have were like, okay, we have all this demand to centralize, right? Mm -hmm. We want to centralize our data. We want to centralize, you know, brand control. We want to centralize privacy management, all good things. But at the same time, there's all this demand to decentralize, to like empower Mm. more teams at the edge of the organization to be able to build things faster, to be able to self-serve their needs, to be able to, you know, experiment. And so you're trying to like, you know, as a marketing ops leader, like, okay, well, how do we do really good centralization and really good decentralization? You know, and then the same thing is on a different axis here about the balance between technology and uh, people and humans, right? Uh, mm. You know, on one hand, hey, how do we leverage more technology? How do we leverage more automation? How do we leverage AI? 
But at the same time, how do we make sure that, you know, our brands, not just for customers, but even our own internal employee experience, that we have a soul, that we have the, the we're able to connect the humanity to it in a way that people relate to it and relate to us and that there's empathy to this, you know, and again, this is something as a marketing ops leader, right? You are trying to optimize the technology side but the really best marketing ops leaders are also the ones who are so attuned, you know, to the human impact and the human right. touch point there. And so, yeah, I, I, I put those two things on a grid and we sort of, you know, went around the circle of like, OK, these are the different aspects of what it means to be able to deliver that. And then right at the center of that, uh, the fifth rule was, OK, you, you're going to map this out. You're going to have your ideas of how you think it should be done. This is great. The next final rule is just be prepared for continuous change because the way in which you do this today, next year, you're going to need to do things differently. Two years later, different again. Uh, We just kind of have to embrace continuous change as our new reality. Absolutely. And, And that's what I love about some of this thinking that you have, right? They're not just independent rules, right? It's balanced. We live in a very complex world. And so these rules... While at first blush, uh, they seem like paradoxes. Wait a minute. Centralized and decentralized? Yeah. Access to, to data is centralized, right? Access to intelligence is centralized. But what's decentralized are the experiences, right? The emotions, right? As it relates to, to the journey or moments of truth. And then you know, in terms of having that agility at the, at the core. Uh, and of course, AI versus humans, right? What can we automate? What can we make it on scale. And then what are the things we can bring that sort of judgment, creativity, empathy, emotion, et cetera. So I think thinking of it again, in terms of a more holistic nature is, is key. And again, we'll have those notes there for our audience to ponder over and, and then hopefully reimagine marketing, you know, just as we wrap up here next couple of minutes. So Scott, you're a prolific thinker and a writer. What's next for Scott Brinker here? And what, upcoming topics, you know, very quickly, are you kind of researching or pondering that you can share with this audience so that we may look forward to talking about it at some of the podcasts? Oh, wow. You know, uh, because I've uh, become known for that MarTech landscape, every now and again, people send me landscapes, you know, that other people had created for very different industries. And a couple of years ago, like someone sent me this landscape of somebody had created a landscape of like something like thousands of craft beers and the producers of craft beers and how they all like fit together. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I chose the wrong industry. What was I thinking? You're going to be the landscape guru. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, if, uh, uh, when I think about what's next, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> yeah, hmm. yeah maybe, maybe there's something beyond Martech. Um but yeah, okay. Now, in the MarTech side, I would say the topic that I am most interested in at the moment is uh, this journey from big data to big ops. And mm. kind of we talked about this earlier, the the reintegration of marketing stacks and marketing ops into a fabric of the broader entirely digital organization, I think we are really entering uncharted territory mm-hmm. in like, how do we run this? I mean, it's not just the systems architecture perspective of it. It is is the management approach to this. Like, how do we collaborate in this world where we can just do so much and everyone can all do so much, but as we're doing this all in parallel, you know, keeping the right things synchronized, mm-hmm. keeping the right things, you know, open for experimentation, 
aligning, you know, operations standards, you know, across all these different contexts. This is a big, huge, wonderful, hairy, challenging, exciting mission, you know, uh, for us to undertake. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just really fascinated and starting to peel away at the dynamics of how that evolution is happening. Well, Scott, it's been a pleasure. We can't wait to see what you uncover from this next big idea that you're looking at, you know, big data to big ops. It was a great uh, spot to wrap up the discussion. Again, I want to thank you, Scott, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. You too. You too, Scott. We'll, we'll do it again. Well, that's this week's episode of the Reimagine Marketing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to head on over to sas.com slash reimagine marketing podcast. All one word to join the conversation and to discover more fun content. You can certainly subscribe to the series on your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, don't forget to join us for another episode. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>